Haribo. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about loneliness. Is that depressing or what? Huh? Yeah? Why, why is it depressing? Simple answer. Why is it depressing? Because we don't like to be lonely. Right or not? There's no other reason. We don't like that, that feeling. In this world, in fact, we try very hard to always suppress or hide it. People like clutter. They like noise. They like people around. They like things going on. So that we're never truly just left with ourself because when we are left with ourself we will experience this feeling of loneliness people try really hard to not be in that space we have some idea that somewhere in this world there is going to be a perfect relationship. Right? Isn't that the ideal? They have a term for it. Your soulmate. So there is this ideal that there is some perfect companion. There is perfect friendship. There is perfect love to be found somewhere. And we are busy hunting for it. People have become so accustomed to this noise and clutter and commotion going on in their head and around them that we become virtually ad addicted to it. If somebody took away your phone, for most people, this would be a disaster. They would be like so upset that your phone was taken away from you. Especially if you are left in a room with nothing to do. It would be like so disturbing. This experience of loneliness can even be experienced in the midst of many people. 
we can be in a city or in the middle of a population center and people all around us and still suffer this tremendous pain within our hearts we're referring to as loneliness. People can be in a long-term relationship with someone, very committed. People can share the same bed and still lie there and experience quite profound loneliness. Right or not? Huh? And when we experience that my current relationship is not fulfilling this desire I have for companionship and love and excitement and happiness, then my tendency is to start looking elsewhere. After a while I get so desperate, I get a pet. I was on one of my morning Jaffa walks a few days back and um, there was some older woman walking around this little small lake that we walk around and she had her dog and it was like non-stop conversation. Non-stop talking to the dog about all kinds of things, everything that you could imagine, <laughs> all the conversation you would have an, with another human being. This woman was having this same conversation with the dog. And we tend to become very attached to pets because we have this rather strange idea that my relationship with my pet is an expression of unconditional love. I love my pet. Proof of it, I will even pick up his doo-doo when we go out walking. And my pet loves me. It's always jumping on me and excited when I come in the door. It's tail is madly shaking and it's all quivering and these are expressions of its ecstatic feeling of love for me or so I think and then if my pet is stolen or runs away it is just like a catastrophe Loneliness again comes rushing in. But at least there is some hope 
that if I offer a big enough reward or I, somebody nice has found it, I'll get it back. The loneliness becomes more pronounced when there is death. So, you know, in death there is this just... It's actually for someone that has not experienced what it is to be very fond and deeply attached to someone and to have that person die and therefore leave, it's not possible to actually imagine what that feels like. It's something that it has to be actually experienced. So we've sort of painted ourselves into a little bit of a corner here. You know this term, painting yourself into a corner? It's like when somebody's painting the floor and they're doing such a good job and they're going back, back, back and then they realize, whoops, they've painted everything except this little corner that they're stuck in. And if they try to walk out, they're going to mess up the floor. They weren't smart enough to paint all the way up to the door. They painted to the corner and so they have this saying, painted painted myself into a corner. So what is that corner that we're painting ourselves into? Number one is we have this desire for companionship and friendship, love. It's very strong. But the problem is Everything we target this desire towards must end. How's that for bad news? Everything. We don't want to think about that. We think that, okay, if I don't think about that, maybe it won't happen. You met people like this? They think if you think something bad, it kind of it's going to happen, and if you don't think about it, then everything will be okay. No, that's not true. It's not the way things work. So, what is this situation? Why do we have this desire? We have this desire because it is part of our spiritual nature. It's part of who we actually are. It's not something that we learn or we acquire. It's part of who we are. But because we are so much covered by this illusion, illusion or illusory energy in Sanskrit it's called Maya this illusory energy I think that through positive thinking or just being really focused or hopeful or prayerful or whatever that I can satisfy this need in this world but it's, even though it's not possible, 
I want so much to believe that. You know, in, in some people think that they've heard these ideas, for instance, that attachments are, are bad. Have you heard this idea before? Being attached to people and things is not good from a spiritual perspective. And that, that understanding or idea comes from the reality that whatever you are attached to, whatever you are yearning for, whatever you are deeply fond of at the moment of death, this is what will be foremost in your mind and it will lead to you taking birth in this world again. Once you leave your body, you will be given another body according to the nature of your desires and according to your um, karmic reaction. You'll be given another body and you'll, you're just going to do it all over again. And so people that have some understanding, they go, wow, that's undesirable. And so their solution to it is to try and just shut myself down. Don't get involved with anyone. Don't build attachments. And maybe then I will somehow be spiritually liberated. Well, I have some news for you that doesn't really work that way. In the Vedas, it speaks about when a person is able to, for instance, attain a form of liberation known as Brahman, Brahman realization or Brahman liberation, where one merges into this ocean of spiritual, of transcendental light, that there is an overwhelming sense of happiness. But most people are unaware that you cannot eternally stay in that condition. Sooner or later, you will experience, even in the liberated state, this twinge of loneliness. The desire for activity and the desire for relationship. And when that occurs, a person will fall from that state back to the material world. In the yoga process, they address this issue of loneliness in the most amazing way, in the most profound and amazing way. We have previously spoken about the fact that the highest truth, or we may call God, whatever, can be experienced 
in three ways. It can be manifest in three ways. One is this vast ocean of spiritual energy known as the Brahma Jyoti. But there is a, another way in which a person can experience this highest truth. It is in the form of a manifestation that appears within your own heart. This form is known as Paramatma or the Lord within one's own heart. I don't know if you remember or not, one week is a long time ago. Was it last week we talked about this? Yeah, last week we talked about this. So I was just going to raise it again. In, in two of the Upanishads, I don't know if you've heard of these before, they are a particular group of spiritual texts, the Upanishads. There are a whole vast number of them, but in two of them, one is called the Mundaka Upanishad, and the other one is called the Svetasvatara Uttara um, Upanishad. There is this same um, verse and in this verse, it speaks about the living being, you and I, and our journey through the material world. This journey which may seem to be endless, but which we should desire to come to an end. And in this description, they liken the living being, that is you, the person, to being like a bird in a tree. The body is likened to a tree, and you are like a bird sitting in that tree, and you are very busily hopping from branch to branch, trying to eat and enjoy all the fruits that are appearing on this tree. But there is this revelation that actually there are two birds in the same tree. They are not the same bird. They are two distinct birds. One of them is very busy trying to eat all the fruit, and the other one is simply observing and waiting for the first bird to turn and recognize his eternal friend. Now there are many different descriptions and references to this, but it speaks to the actual meaning of yoga. The meaning of yoga being a complete, not incomplete, a complete union, a meeting of hearts. Yes, you actually do have a soulmate. And that soulmate is not another person stumbling around in this world. Your soulmate is the actual Lord of your heart 
who is residing also within your heart, alongside of you. It states, The Lord and the living entity are compared to two birds sitting in a tree, while the illusioned living entity eats the fruits of the material world, the Lord, as the supersoul and best friend, witnesses these activities. So here we have this statement that this Lord residing within my own heart is actually my best friend. And then the next verse, although the two birds are in the same tree and eating, the eating bird, that is the jiva or the living being, is fully engrossed with anxiety and moroseness as the enjoyer of the fruits of the tree. However, if in some way or other he turns to his friend, that is the Lord within his own heart, and knows his glories, the suffering bird becomes immediately free from all anxieties. So there is another series of verses, but I, I don't think I'll read them now from another book called the Srimad Bhagavatam or the Bhagavat Purana that even gives more, more um, detailed uh, description of what's actually going on. So the message is, don't run away from loneliness. Loneliness is inescapable because it is part of your own spiritual nature. When you are separated from your true soulmate, then you will feel lonely. And while you become very busy in this world, building friendships, relationships, experiences, looking for love and things, even when you find them, eventually they will not fulfill your great need. They will not fulfill it. And even in the midst of many people, even with a committed partner, even with a family, you can still feel very much alone. And that feeling of loneliness is not a bad thing. If you weren't feeling any loneliness at all, maybe that's not so good. It means you're so busy and there's so much going on and so much distraction happening that you can't dive within your own heart and experience what is truly actually going on. You're so absorbed in all the clutter and noise and activity and look at this, you know, and it just 
mindlessly communicating and engaged in activity, engaged in relationships which cannot last forever. So this feeling of loneliness is like a signpost. It is meant to be directing us towards our true soulmate, our true, the true Lord of my heart. And the process of yoga, this process of kirtan meditation and all of the activities associated with um, genuine spiritual activity are all for the purpose of us being able to meet once again and to experience the unimaginable joy of this union, this connection once again. Was that too serious? Huh? No? Hope not. So let us maybe um, engage in this kirtan. This kirtan, the singing of mantras, is actually the call, the call of the soul itself. The call to be again, the desire, it is expression of the desire to again be reunited with that Lord of our heart. Anybody have a question? Well, you know, we are meant to be living a life of knowledge. Um, people might think that this is a little bit harsh, but in all of the yoga texts, they describe that the life of the average person is not really a life of knowledge. It is a life of something other than knowledge. That's being polite. <laughs> being straight up, it's a life of some ignorance. Holding on to hopes that can never be completely fulfilled, not in the way that we are trying. So it's not so much about a technique, you know, that will um, help you in moments of crisis. If I was to recommend a technique, it would be to spend some time and, and then repeatedly through the day being absorbed in this mantra meditation process. But the biggest solution comes from coming out into the light. When we step into the light of knowledge, then we are moving away from the darkness associated with ignorance, which always results in pain and unhappiness.
So a person should, you know, make their life a life of, of spiritual pursuit. Thank you very much. A light of spiritual pursuit so that they are prepared. I mean, the ultimate thing to prepare for is death. Oh my God, so we're getting really morbid here. <laughs> I don't know if some of you might have looked on, on my Facebook page. We've got a very dear friend in the Philippines who is now at the threshold of death. She is dying of cancer and she feels no bitterness or no anxiety. She is simply going through a process. There's something going on and there will come a point where her body is no longer fit to um, be the house or the habitation for her and she will be, have to leave. But the process of becoming deeply absorbed in this spiritual sound makes it so that this is not at all a fearful or distressful situation. So if we want to become free from the anxieties of material life, of the fearfulness connected with material life, from the loneliness, from the unhappiness, there is only one solution. That solution is to frequently bathe in these transcendental sounds. And when one does this, then um, they will be able to um, have a, a spiritual awakening realize their true spiritual identity, awaken their relationship with the Lord in their own heart, and find that peace and joy that they desire.
Karibu.